And so it's not just that like that person's kind of a subpar Christian and they need to figure it out on their own, but you actually have a responsibility and like the blessing of helping that person to kind of learn the lingo of, of the Christian life. Welcome to this episode of The Weekly. My name is Trevor Hoffman, one of the pastors at the Church of Greer Station. I'm your host, and this morning I have with me uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Jonathan Dwayne Hyatt. I just <laughs> announced to the world your middle name, John. So. Everything is revealed. <laughs> okay, so John, tell us uh, tell us again, you, you've been on the podcast before, but remind us, what, do you, um, what is your role at the Church of Greer Station? What else do you have going on? And tell me... Um, tell me what your favorite kind of snowman is. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, my name's John. I'm a pastoral resident with the church um, where I focus on our local mission um, pieces and, and some of our international mission efforts. Um, I'm also in seminary at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, and my wife is a medical student who's currently beginning the um, interview process for um, her family medicine residencies. My favorite kind of snowman, um, growing up in South Carolina, I had snowmen with little like gumballs and clay smears and leaves kind of stuck in them all the time. That kind of developed an inferiority complex within me. So I really, I like have a little bit of like regret and, and, just guilt every time I see a snowman, so I'm not yeah. sure. I well, I feel like the Calvin and Hobbes cartoons kind of gave me a um, a bit of like unrealistic expectations about what snowmen could be. Um, maybe you know I don't know where Calvin and Hobbes yeah. takes place, but what he what he's able to do with his snowman, I have never been able to re- replicate. Or like so. how round Frosty is in the cartoon, like he's perfectly round, and like there's just something like the like not, yeah. aesthetically pleasing about him that's that's impossible to. To replicate, and, so. and I love what's unbelievable about Frosty isn't the fact that he comes to life and sings because of a magical double hat. <laughs> it's, it's that he's perfectly <laughs> spherical. That's it's the true miracle. <laughs> the true miracle is how a, hard those kids worked to, <laughs> to perfect Christmas their snowman. Miracle. Wonderful. Well, today, uh, beyond discussing um, snowmen, I don't even know how that came about. Um, we're going to be talking about a book that John and I have read recently, a book called Discipleship, written by a guy named Jim Putnam, who's a pastor out west. Now, uh, the, the book Discipleship is primarily dedicated to helping a church think through how to adequately make disciples and evaluate their processes for disciple making. And, and the book begins the book begins by casting a vision for the need for disciple making based off of Jesus's words in Matthew 28 and off of Jesus's examples all throughout the gospel. Uh, but then he, he transitions into defining what a disciple is. Um, John, how does Putnam define what a disciple is? Like what are, what, uh, what texts does he use and what is his most um, kind of fundamental way of communicating what it means to be a disciple? Um, he kind of, talks about how he even he kind of asks that question to these folks who come to his church um, and just how many different definitions that, that, that people have given them as they've kind of asked about what exactly a disciple is and just kind of it seems like almost every church has a different answer for, for what they think of a discipleship or what discipleship is and what a disciple is 
Um, but he really kind of zooms in on um, Matthew. Um, well, for, let's uh, let's. I'm glad you mentioned that. Let's look at some of these examples. Yeah. So, um, as as the point John was making about the different kind of working definitions that we carry with us, some of the things that have come up when he is asking his church leadership what it means to be a disciple. So, some of the answers that they've been given are good answers, but are, are you know all across the board. So, one person says that a disciple of Jesus is a person who is becoming spiritually mature, which is accurate. Um, Another person says that a disciple is a person who cares for the lost, again, which is accurate. Um, uh, here it says that one is uh, a mature disciple is one who loves the poor and marginalized in Jesus' name. Again, like all of these are different aspects of being disciples, and all of these, I think, kind of highlight some aspect of what it means to be a disciple. Uh, but the problem is, is none of them, none of them like, I think, kind of get to the root, and that's kind of the point that he's right. making. None of these, like exactly land a plane with a ton of precision on what a disciple is in, in biblical terms. And it also kind of helps illustrate that if we're talking about making disciples and we have like a variety of definitions about what a disciple is, it's kind of it's kind of difficult to know whether or not we're actually achieving any kind of success. So with that, John, what what is how does he land a plane? Yeah, he, he says that that when people ask him like kind of for a text or for for a like one verse that kind of sums up a being disciple is he points him to Matthew 4 19 when Jesus is calling his first disciples after him and he says um, Jesus says follow me and I will make you fishers of men um, and then with that he kind of breaks that verse down and, and suggests that the disciple is really someone who is kind of following Jesus with his head his heart and his hands um, and then using that those those things he learns as he follows Jesus to help others follow Jesus as well Yes, yeah, so most fundamentally, to be a disciple is one who follows Christ. And then he uh, teases that out in saying that uh, one who follows Christ follows Christ holistically. They are following Christ. They, they are learning the ways of Christ and learning about Christ and, and growing in our understanding of Christ. They're being changed by Christ, which is the heart aspect of that, that they, their, uh, their loves are being transformed, and then they're committed to the mission of Christ. So they're following Jesus in service and evangelism and I, I thought it was a really helpful way of summarizing kind of all of those things and all of those uh, like the different definitions that are offered earlier in the chapter that, that all kind of cover an aspect of discipleship I thought it was a helpful way of kind of providing a holistic portrait of what it means to be a disciple um, so after defining disciple he spent some time talking about how disciples are made what are some of the ways in which um, uh he holds out for us, like some of the processes for making disciples. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I thought was really helpful was kind of how he, um, he takes time to kind of break down just what becoming a disciple looks like and kind of explaining the kind of stages of discipleship. Um, and kind of just shows us how um, different folks are like how people grow in their maturity, how there are these different stages of growth that people um, kind of go through and that, that each of us are kind of somewhere in that stage but being able to kind of see um, where you are and where someone else is like in their following after Christ like actually helps us know like what we need to do kind of next maybe the next step we need to take yeah that's really good like he he defines them as the five stages of spiritual growth and so he lists the first stage as being spiritually dead which which means like 
apart from Jesus, not following Jesus. Then the second stage in that is uh, that of an infant. Uh, then after that, child, young adult, and then finally, spiritual parent. And he provides a chart that is actually really helpful as well that provides some um, specifics at like helping uh, diagnose somebody mm-hmm. or help like locate yourself or someone that you're walking with on this chart. What would be some of the ways in which he describes like characteristics of someone who is spiritually dead? Yeah, he talks about how most of um, using the language that these people are, 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 are talking with to kind of discern like kind of where their heart is, kind of figure out where they're lying. He says that someone is, who's spiritually dead is really just characterized by unbelief. So they hear the gospel, they, they can hear the scriptures, and they just kind of respond with, um, with unbelief. That's not really for me. Um, they, just, they just don't believe the gospel. So they might kind of speak against religion, say that it's for the weak. They might say that, that right and wrong is really kind of relative and, and depends on the situation. They might say, I just can't believe in whatever... Um, doctrine uh, is kind of their their pet doctrine to, to be irritated with, um, yeah. So yeah, and then so uh, the transitioning from the stage of uh, unbelief into um, spiritual infancy. What are some of the things that characterize those who are spiritual infants? Yeah, so a spiritual infant is someone who's actually they've been converted. They've they've actually believed the gospel after after it being shared with them. They've Maybe they wrestled for a long time, but now they're they're brand new. They don't have context. Um, they don't really know exactly what growing in the faith looks like yet. And so they've gone from maybe just straight not believing the gospel to really not knowing that much about it. They know enough to, to believe and be saved, but they don't know um, the things of the of the Bible. So a lot of their, the language that they use is kind of characterized just by... Um, Need it's characterized by kind of a lack of um, awareness, a lack of knowledge about what the scriptures actually teach and what they're supposed to do now that they are a believer, um, and that's where discipleship really kind of begins to take off. Yeah. So some of some of the phrases that he lists here that you might you might hear from a spiritual infant is, um, "I need to pray regularly and read the Bible." I've never heard that before. How would I do that? Or um, uh, I, I don't need anyone else. It's just me and Jesus. I don't need other believers. It's just about you know having been reconciled to God, and this is what my you know this this is this is my spirituality now. Um, Jesus is God, but isn't karma a thing too? Um, uh, what's the deal with baptism, with with tithing, th- those types of things? Like some of the things that for those of us who have grown up in church or have been disciples for a while, some of those things that we kind of take for granted, those are the sorts of things that are, are puzzling to a spiritual infant, things that they have never had to reckon with before. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I think that's helpful because I think sometimes maybe if we've been in, in the church culture for a while or have been around other mature believers, when we come across someone who might be newer in the faith, it kind of makes us nervous. It kind of makes us feel like, well, I don't really know, like, you know, like, do they really even get it? And like, it's okay with what, what this book is saying is that that's just natural. Like infants don't know things like they have to learn. Hmm. And so it's not just that like that person's kind of a subpar Christian and they need to figure it out on their own, but you actually have a responsibility and like the blessing of helping that person to kind of learn the lingo of, of the Christian life. 
That's really good. That's a really good point. And and when we hear these types of things and we hear or see these kind of symptoms of spiritual infancy, like that, that should be a, a prompt for us to like move towards those people and find some ways to like constructively help them think through like what it looks like to be a Christian, you know, for those of us who are farther along in the faith. That's really good. Um, and also another point that he makes here that's really helpful is um, there's not time limits on these things necessarily. Right. Like it's right. possible to be a spiritual infant for two decades. Right. You know, if, if someone were to, for whatever reason, you know, come into faith, be baptized and follow after Jesus, but not really kind of find themselves in any kind of discipling relationships, it is possible that someone could persist in a spiritual infancy sort of stage or probably more likely a, a spiritual, the, the third level, that of a spiritual child. Um, tell us, John, a little bit about what it means to be a spiritual child. Yeah, so this is uh, kind of moving on down the, the maturity stage. Um, so when you, you interact with children, um, like, like someone who's five or six, you know, a, a, a kid, they'll, they're, always, they're aware of what they need now. You know, like, I need milk. I need, uh, I need to play. I need to go outside. Um, and, and a spiritual child is someone who's kind of seeing these. They, they are beginning to have a bit of a knowledge. They're not completely ignorant. But the way that they understand their Christian life is within the framework of what they need next. Um, and that can lead to um, some dangerous practices if that's not taken care of. Um, well and if, if people don't mature beyond that so he kind of points out that that language around this kind of sounds like well i didn't really like the music today they should they should do something else um this i'm not sure if this church is really meeting my needs anymore maybe i need to find somewhere else that serves me better um things like that where where it's not that the the people are completely ignorant but they're not necessarily thinking of others yet but thinking purely within them their own framework of of what they want or what they need that's really good. Um, and then what about the young adult stage? Young adult is a little kind of further along. It's the next um, the next stage. It's where, where someone's beginning to become a little bit more um, mature in their faith, a little bit more mature just in the way that they um, kind of see themselves. Um, it's where they're actually thinking of others now. So it's less about my needs, but maybe more about the needs of those, those people um, around me, they're kind of beginning to do the chores on their own, like kind of within the house of God. Does yeah, that make sense? That's good. That's really good. Um, they are beginning to think about how to, how can I serve? Like, what does my, what's the purpose of my life? How can I be a blessing to others? Maybe not knowing exactly what that looks like yet, but there is a certain others centeredness that's beginning to take place. So you're kind of seeing the transition from not knowing anything to knowing something, but seeing it for yourself, and now into a stage of knowing something and seeing how that is um, good for someone else. And that maybe I can be the one to give that to someone else. That's really good. Yeah, I think, I think maybe the key idea here with the young adult stage would be that of initiative, like yeah. beginning to kind of see themselves as a disciple and kind of take ownership of their own discipleship and the discipleship of others at this point. So some of the phrases from the stage that he uses are... Um, uh, we might hear a young adult, someone who's a spiritual young adult, say something like, in my devotions, I was reading X. I came across this thing, and I have some questions about it, and I'd like for you to help me think through this. Or maybe they say something like, um, such and such missed our community group this week, so I called to see if they're okay. It turns out their kids have the flu, 
maybe our group can make some meals for them and I'll start the process of getting that together. Those, those types of right. initiative taking behaviors are um, uh, uh, emblematic, representative of someone who's in a uh, young adult stage mm -hmm. in their discipleship. And then what was the what was the fifth and final stage? And the final stage is a parent. Um, so this is someone who, um, in this framework, has kind of reached the the kind of sending point for um, discipleship. So there's someone who's able. They're kind of in this in the place to begin reproducing themselves. Um, so if the young adult is kind of characterized by initiative and and, and the desire to uh, impact others and, and serve others. And a parent is kind of in the place to actually have the intentionality behind that, behind that effort. Begin to think strategically, who can I invest in next? What does that look like? Um, and who do I know um, that can begin to invest in others? Kind of being able to speak into the lives of those who might be in the young adult stage or even lower and beginning to kind of reproduce themselves and invest and, and multiply. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, so, uh, ha having some sort of framework for being able to identify where people are, where we are individually, and where people are in their discipleship is really, really helpful. Um, in addition to providing uh, this little chart to kind of think through uh, that particular aspect of disciple making, the book is organi organized around five shifts that he, he says that every church should make in order to go in order to transition into a disciple-making church. What are those five shifts, John? Yeah, the first one, is, which is kind of what we've been talking about, is shifting from a church's priority being reaching people to actually making. Um, so shifting from just trying to, to reach more and more folks without maybe going very deep, actually making people into folks who can reach others. And an important point to make there is that those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Right. Yes. Like you have to reach in order to make. Yes. So it's not like we're choosing one or the other. It's we reach in order to make right. out yes. of those that we reach. Yes. What's uh, the second? The second one would be from just informing someone to equipping. Um, so not just giving folks information, but actually teaching them how to use that information well and then how to um, apply that information and, and multiply themselves outwardly from that. Um, the third one would be from a program to a purpose, so not just having a, a program in place or multiple or dozens of programs in place to, to uh, make disciples, but a purpose. What, is, what does a disciple look like in our context, and, and how do we aim ourselves at that goal instead of just aiming at 100 different programs? Yeah, so how, how does each program and aspect of our church's ministry align with the target of making disciples and yes. multiplying disciples. Yeah, yes. that's, that's really good. Um, number four would be from activity to relationship. So less putting just more and more events on a calendar, but beginning to put people onto our calendars. Um, seeing that, that discipleship isn't just a um, me and Jesus sort of thing, but it's me with other people following Jesus together. Um, there's kind of a discipleship is inherently kind of horizontal. Um, with other disciples. Yeah, that's really good, really good. And what was the last? And the final one is from accumulating to deploying. So um, there's a point where you don't want to just keep building up people around you and you've just becoming kind of just more and more people piled up in one place, um, but really a church becoming kind of a hub to send people out, um, maybe to plant other churches, maybe to do more work, but even just sending people into their contexts, into their neighborhoods, into their workspaces. 
um, where we're not just accumulating people into the church to serve our church programs more, but equipping people to do ministry in their workspaces and to begin to make disciples in the places that God has put them and deploying them for that, that purpose. Yeah, that's really good. The way that we like to say it at Greer Station is that God gathers us to send us. And so like we come together and, and we, we are accumulated together to worship mm-hmm. Jesus together, but for the purpose ultimately of being commissioned back out into the week, whether that's, uh, you know, as a, as a stay-at-home mom or an engineer or, you know, whatever that would be, God gathers us together uh, to fill us and ultimately to send us back out. Um, so this book, uh, this book on the whole was, I think, really helpful. It, it was one of those books that just kind of helpfully put some pieces together and maybe gave some language to some ideas that maybe I kind of already thought through and already wrestled with but didn't quite have pieced together mm-hmm. um, in, in the ways that he presented it. And I thought it was really helpful and really encouraging. Um, John, if you were to say, highlight you know, one or two of the most helpful takeaways from this book, what would they be? I think one of the biggest things that that came from the book for me is just trying to get clear in your head um, where you are at as a disciple, what you're seeing um, happening around you. Kind of like what we were talking about with that stages of growth, like just being able to think through like, what do the people directly around me that I have regular contact with, what do they actually need to grow in their faith? Um, And not in a... um, they're somehow subpar right now, or they're 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 wrong in where they are. But but it's just an issue of maturity. Um, what what needs to happen for the next stage of growth to take place in this person's life? Um, that's really really huge. And then I think I think sometimes one of the things that's just really helpful with books like these is is seeing guys who've just kind of done it, mm-hmm. just seeing guys who've. Um, said, so, you know, like it's it's really easy to get caught up in the what ifs and the hypothetical situations, but the best thing that you can do is just start doing something. Just just figure out the people that are near you and figure out how you can love and serve them well, and how you can help them follow Jesus better and what they can teach you through that. Um, sometimes you just kind of need a, a little bit of a kick in the pants to kind of make you do that, and yeah. I think this was a really helpful book for that. For sure, and and we hope that this was a uh, a helpful listen for you. Uh, as you consider your own discipleship and consider how, how God has called you to help others follow Jesus. Um, we appreciate you listening today. We hope to uh, see you soon. And Lord willing, uh, this book will, um, if you decide to pick it up and read it, Lord willing, this book will be an encouragement to you. But if you decide to just uh, take a listen to the podcast and kind of get our secondhand take on it, hopefully that's encouraging as well. We'll talk to you soon. Until next time.